Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. <laughs> Tonight, we got him, Goldie and the Salt. This is a chemical, chemical, disgusting, 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 disgusting. And it starts right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, still funny. And and JC, you notice JC just started there without yeah. letting, without saying, I here we go. I had no idea we were starting. <laughs> I know. I, we I were, we were testing like our mics, and then she was just like, fuck it, Let's I'm go. starting this shit. This is, this is my move. She's in charge. Uh, well, welcome back, folks, to another episode of a typical disgusting display with Goldie and the Sulk. And with us, as always, is our producer, J.C. Brooks. Say hello. Hello. We said it at the same time. Goldie, say hello. Nope, not participating in that. <laughs> Only when you know, he it's wants so funny. to. We had a whole thing last week about the hello, and Goldie thought it was an inside joke, which it is not. It's just it's not. two people doing accents. <laughs> And uh, JC, I saw uh, this week on some like retrospective of films of the 70s or something, they ran a very quick clip from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And when that guy with the, who's sort of the butler of yeah. the haunt, haunted mansion, yes. he comes out and he opens the door and he says, hello. It was exactly, <laughs> it was exactly that. So that was nice. Hello. Uh, Goldie, what just happened? You just changed positions yeah. and earphones? Well, my family just left because they don't want to be in the house while I'm doing this podcast. Sure. They hear the screaming in the other room and everyone gets <laughs> <Right>. upset. <laughs> but, then, but then because my dog likes literally everyone else in the world better than me, he instantly <laughs> went to the window and started crying. So I opened the door to show him, hey, buddy, you're not alone. And he's just crying at the window. He hears me. Oh. Not coming. <laughs> as miserable and, as ever. And you were the one that found him and rescued him. Yes. I found him. I rescued on, him. Lloyd. I'm up at 6 a.m. every day feeding him. Hey. I walk him. I'm the only one who walks him. You pick up his poops. Hey. Maybe oh, he, he's he's so taking much. you for granted. It's the old it's the old high school negging thing. <laughs> yes. Um, you're showing him too much attention and affection. But oh. by the way, let me let me comment. Uh, I don't know. For those of you who are seeing us, you're seeing what I'm seeing. But uh, if you can only hear us, Goldie today, the tank top. Yeah, let's he's got the let's guns talk out. about this. You're looking jacked, <laughs> jacked. Are, are you doing yoga? No, I, know this I, is... I lift a uh, a 54 pound kettlebell oh, every yes. day for oh. 12 minutes. Are you a Ru- are you a Russian Jew? I uh, well, I, I'm partially, and I thought I was all Russian, and then. Um, about six months ago, I learned I'm half Polish, which explains so much. 
What does it explain? <laughs> I wish I knew. If, if it, it just if explains this... a lot of the bad decisions. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if this were the '70s, we could have a field day with that. I know. That's <laughs> too bad. But, but as uh, you but, can but, see, but I got the, the I got the shoulder yeah. epaulets. I'm a I'm a general in the Jewish <laughs> army. Oh yes. Oh yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> well, I think a general in the Jewish army would be pretty busy these days. Sadly. Yeah. The events in the Middle East. But um, I've given up. I've I, like it's, it's, I know like from it. the today's topic, I'm gonna say many things that are are gonna shoot my career in the head. How we won't just, let like, that we don't know that yet. <laughs> I do. We don't. And, and by the way, having we're we're gonna save it for the for the topic. But of course, uh, the topic today is failure, um, yes. which Goldie and I know a great deal about. Yes. Uh, both. Per, I'll say both personally and professionally. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So, I think you yeah. can't have success without failure. Well, sometimes you can have you a lot can... more of one than the other. <laughs> right. But it's possible to have failure without success. That's true. true. Uh, it's going to be a calf splatter of anger for me. Oh, I can already feel awesome. like my tension level rising. And, and there's wait. like a 5% chance that I'm just going to be carried out on a gurney when this is wait, over. Wait, ex- explain what calf splatter means. <laughs> It, it calf splatter is just a like a baby cow gets blown up and oh my God. Uh, there's blood oh my everywhere. God. Here we go. It's gruesome. Wait, it's I horrible. I, I where's Danny? First joke of the day. First joke of the there, day. I, I didn't want to interrupt Danny. him because I've done it and no, interrupted no, no, no. and he was on a roll and you know. That's okay. He can plow through it. He's a professional. What role? But I thought it was uh, like a, I didn't know if it was the calf on your leg. Okay, so a calf. No, splatter. no. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like splatter. that. Um, anyway, I think you look gorgeous. Yes. Well, thank you. The guns. Let's, let's let's keep it light. That's today. what I'm going for. Yes. I want other 48 year old men to be admiring me. That's all. I know, JC. She's been awfully quiet in her in her box. No, I've, yeah. been, I've been very vocal about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. She's no, in a different look... category, looks wise, from us. Let's be honest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, too I mean, kind. Yeah. Too kind. Model. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of you because I know you've been swinging that kettlebell for over a decade. You've been talking Years. about this kettlebell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's actually for real. It is the most efficient. It's, it's sort of getting the most out of the least because it's, it's the worst 10 minutes of your day. Yeah. yeah. But then when you do it, like it's impossible to do that and not be in okay shape. Right. Oh, that's great. Right. Which is the goal. Which is, that's the goal. A hundred percent the goal. Shape. Like just, you can take your shirt off at the pool and nobody's like, ew. <laughs> right. No one's. Right? No one's yeah. thrilled. They don't give it a second look. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're not like it's not. In, there's with the pine yeah. trees in the background and the, sure. Everything and you're else. not. You're not Brad Pitt on the rooftop and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood taking his shirt off and everybody's Hell like, no. Fuck. <laughs> but no. at least you're not me, who goes and takes their shirt off and assumes like the slinkiest, most hiding position you can <laughs> ever find. It's at not any a pool. reminder of people's mortality. You know, well, people don't look at it and go like, oh, God, we're all dying. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's the only goal. Well, yeah. So keep swinging that kettlebell. Oh, I will. Keep swinging it. And, and now we were talking a little bit earlier, and you had mentioned something that I had no idea about, which sounds yeah. fairly interesting, is that you've entered yeah. the underbelly of the guitar buying and se- like acoustic guitar, I'm assuming. Really? Well, both. Mostly. But you, so you you buy and sell guitars online, and you've been doing it yes. a lot, a lot. Well, I've been. That's it's so cool. spiraled out of control. Ooh. Like it, it started out. I was 
you know, buying one and selling one every eight months. And now it's sort of like happening every week and I'm a little bit scared about it. And there's maybe 15 guitars have gone through my hands this wow. year. Oh my God. Wait, I, my mom and I are looking for a guitar for my dad. So maybe oh. go. We'll, we'll talk. Well, we can talk offline. <laughs> I think I'm yeah. thinking maybe a seagull for him. Seagulls maybe are very seagull. nice. Yeah, I mean, the, the, nice. the thing is, 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 look, I don't drink anymore. Uh, I don't go out since COVID. Sure. Yeah. Half my friends have moved. Like you, I don't see anybody. I'm, right. I'm wearing shirtless tees. <laughs> I've, I've given up. I don't go to work. And it's like the only area of my life where there's any excitement or jeopardy. It's like, oh, I could lose a lot of money here or right. make like a small amount. And like gambling. So I've just like I'm constantly refreshing these sites. But it, it, I, it really made me understand like the phrase – uh, fiddling while Rome burns. And everyone's always <laughs> saying that, that as though some giant criticism of Nero. Like, yeah. Nero was just an fiddling asshole. while Rome burns. Yeah. But it's yes. like, well, that's smart. Like, Nero was like, this whole thing is, is going up. So I can't do anything about it, but at least maybe I can get, like, better at my instrument yes. in this brief time. And he was probably buying and selling fiddles. And, and now I think that, like, <laughs> Nero was just an example of self-care. Good for Nero. <laughs> Right. That, like we, everyone should be like, hey, Nero was fiddling while Rome burned. Like he, he found a little bit of pleasure was as yeah. everything was going because we got COVID. We've got droughts. We've got I like a it. borderline civil war. Trump's coming yeah. back. There's you're like, and, you're, and you're buying and selling and guitars. I'm, I'm strumming <laughs> while yes. the U.S. sinks. You're trying to learn how to play Never Going Back Again. While the country burns. Well, what's interesting is that, and and maybe Stu has experienced some of this. I don't know, but so the fact that there's this pandemic going on, and you, and you were telling me you're trying to get better at piano, and like I I think right. like playing an instrument is the the only thing in the world that has lived up to the hype for me. Besides, oh yeah, Ooh. besides my children. That's beautiful. Sure. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> say that. And what? Uh, I thank. Just add that the post take I did about having kids. Let's add that after. The uh, thing about the instruments in case my family listens to this. Okay. Of course, of course. Uh, so, but one interesting thing is is that um, all these like super gifted musicians are now available over Zoom for private instruction. So really? I've now taken a couple lessons. I was reading Acoustic Guitar Magazine. Cool. There was this guy, Greg As Ruby, one does. Who, who had this column about chord melody jazz. And, and I thought it was like a really well written, uh, very understandable example of it. And I just Googled him, and then next thing I know, I'm That's Zooming so with Greg Ruby. What? <laughs> Ruby, baby. And, the, and so, like, I, I, like, that's the one thing about this pandemic is I feel like if, if there's some, like, and I'm encouraging you to maybe try to find a teacher because yeah, these Ugh. musicians, they, they haven't been able to gig. They need a source of income, and, yeah. you know, right. we want instruction. It's very important to get good at an instrument when you're 50. No, it's true. <laughs> it is. It's it, good it, for It's your always everything. great. It's your always brain, great. And especially skills. with a guitar, which you can bring anywhere. It's yeah. awesome. I've, it's awesome. I've been so shocked as to like how much improvement I've been able to make, but it's so all cool. at the expense of uh, trying to write anymore or having any aspiration right. for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an aspiration though. Yeah. And also you were, I remember you were good Oh, like years ago. I remember I plateaued like at everything in my life. I plateaued at 15. 
and I never got any <laughs> oh better. Okay. I don't believe you. <laughs> I did. I swear to God. I so I was like a math prodigy. I was oh. doing algebra in second grade. Like they had to m- remove me from my class and like wow. take me to different parts of the school and to different schools oh. to teach it's... me math. And then wow. at fifteen, I just like couldn't learn any more math. <laughs> Were you just more interested in other things, maybe? No. Goyles. Goyles. Well, they, that, there was none of that. <laughs> at, 50, at 15, that was non-existent. I mean, it's still unreciprocated. But, I mean, you can still be interested in it. I mean, every every bit of sex I've scared up in my life <laughs> oh my God. has taken an unbelievable amount of effort. I love the idea of scared up like it's a game. Like you're, you're out on the yeah, you're out on the, the stick into, you're into out the, the brush frontier. Things right. scatter yeah. and and you just, know you're just just cooking up a little sex over the campfire. Oh, none of it, none of it has come easily. It's all been the equivalent oh, yeah. of like an Olympics opening ceremony, where you know right. it's like the Danny Boyle Olympics opening ceremony showing the entire genesis of civilization. That's oh that's God. me. <laughs> <laughs> trying to have just sex trying to, once trying to finger a person <laughs> oh yeah you, you know it's it's so funny because I, I had such a similar experience in high school because uh my high school was mostly men yes and right. just everybody it, it was like high altitude training for my college which was mostly women Right. So then all of a sudden it was like like the Forrest Gump scene when his braces break off his legs <laughs> yeah. was getting to college. It was the, the greatest thing yeah. in the world. But the struggle early on, it's it's you're so right. The the hoops you have to jump through to maybe kiss a girl by a lake. <laughs> yeah. like, by a lake. Forget it. I mean, first you have to get to the lake, which is I know, which is a problem. What are you going to bike to the lake? No, we had we had a little pond. Well, I had uh, I had the same girlfriend all four years of college, which is the smartest thing you can do. Oh, that's sweet. What do you mean? Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Then one time she she, one time I don't believe I'm talking about this. One time one time she wanted to have a three way, and I got angry at her. Because I was like, we are in love. <laughs> I yelled at her. I don't want another set of tits in here. Are you kidding me? I'm oh, not sharing. that's so funny. Well, you know what? It's And I think you and I had a similar upbringing. I'm very much the same way in terms of like, not sexually adventurous and and will instantly weirdly oh, get put me in there with you oh, well you just really said you didn't it. want a, a three-way was served on a plate to you and you said you got angry with your girlfriend is it too late <laughs> no but i feel like we have like then your defense system goes into what you did which is like this oddly puritanical reaction of like what what do you I'm gonna, think I am? I'm going to write into my college alumni magazine just wondering if the offer still stands in the class notes section. Oh, hey! Uh, and, and like we, we have this puritanical front. Yes, but I'm it's sure a New England thing. It's a New England thing, but then, yes. but then the slideshow going on in our heads during sex is not that. Not right. puritanical. Well, it's, I mean, different. I don't know that I ever saw adults holding hands the entire time I was growing up. Like that, that there either. was, yeah, there was not like a lot of uh, demonstrations Affection? of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. PDAs. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. it was tough growing up. <laughs> well, you know what? We've kind of we've kind of eaten into the time I that we were going to talk fine. about putting in a pool on the house. But you know what? Here we are. We'll have another it's time. episode. We will. It's time for our favorite part of the show that some people think comes too early. It's Johnny Jokes. Here's Johnny's. <laughs> oh, you slapped I took you. a little bit off it. Some would say I took too much off it. Yeah, you, you really feathered that arrow into the target. Uh, and JC let the theme run for a very long time. Sorry, I was we all got We all got distracted by Goldie's odd take on Here's Johnny. Because he was just... He was bopped on the snout uh, with the newspaper beforehand for being too loud. So then he really showed us. <laughs> uh, but here we are. <clears throat> I have Johnny's vocal fry, complete with 1986 Carson vocal fry. Here's the part of the show uh, where we uh, deliver Johnny Carson-style monologue jokes. They're fun for us to write and the kinds of jokes we used to write when we were trying to break into the business. I will shorten that intro one of these days. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> Johnny Carson jokes. Uh, did you hear this? Um, a new scientific study published this week uh, determined that during the course of an average day, women talk twice as much as men. Mm. Yeah, you can uh, read all about it in this month's issue of Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I leaned in. Uh, I, thought, I thought you were going to go, you, you can read all about it in, in uh, this month's issue of Women's World, which is a double issue. <laughs> oh, that would have been way better. I copped out at Duh. <laughs> oh my god okay so you've improved that one all right we'll just pretend that i said a hey, double issue <laughs> double <laughs> issue there it is so you had to gotta laugh anyway uh here's another one uh and this is uh some good news finally uh the thai minister of tourism announced earlier this week that the country is a hundred percent ready for reopening mm. uh i applaud the decision yeah i do you know sometimes you just gotta say phuket <laughs> all right i'm glad you enjoyed that one because it was making me laugh inordinately that's, that's great okay <clears throat> here we are uh, uh here's an interesting story uh, kind of sad uh senate democrats are making a push to federally decriminalize marijuana boy more politicians in the pocket of big dorito <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to end on this last one. Because right, here, here we go. This one, I don't know if big Simone... Big Dorito. Uh, big Dorito. No, but I, this next one, which I'm planning to end on, I don't know if Simone Biles could land this one. Here we go. Mm. Uh, it's starting off difficult. Neutrogena. Neutrogena has pulled several sunblocks off the shelves after they detected a carcinogen. Uh, boy, those are never good. Well, unless it's get carcinogen and tonic. That I'm okay with. <laughs> I love that. Uh, those are my Johnny jokes. You stuck the landing. You stuck the landing. All right. And off to, uh, and here's other Johnny. And picking up the dropped baton, here we go. Okay. Uh, well, you know, 
everyone is is talking about this woke culture. It's got half the country mad. It's got half the country enthralled. It's causing enormous divisions. And, uh, you know, I think this woke culture has gotten a bit out of control. <clears throat> At my kid's school, the game Smear the Queer has now been replaced with Dismember the Cisgender. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, my God. Long day's wow. journey into night. Wow. <laughs> that was the Honolulu Triathlon opening joke. That was great. Uh, guess, guess what phrase I had banked. I think week. I know. <laughs> okay, here we go. 17 million tons of sewage overflowed into Santa Monica Bay, which is the ocean right next to Los Angeles. Do you hear about this? Yeah. It's the first crap produced in Los Angeles that hasn't wound up on a screen. (laughs) (laughs) Worth it. Easy for you to say. That's a good one. That's a very funny joke. I'm exhausted. Very funny joke. Well, uh, the mask mandate is back, folks. I know we're all sorry to hear. And L.A. residents are now required to wear masks indoors at all times, causing millions to wonder why they even bothered to have plastic surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here we go. Last one. Johnny loved attacking L.A., which was great. (laughs) And here he is, finishing the triathlete under cover of night. Jeff Bezos's rocket company, Blue Origin, has now received permission from the FAA to fly this week. The craft will launch from West Texas and fly into outer space after a brief holdover in Atlanta. <laughs> there we go. I love that. That's great. There was Johnny's. <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny. That's so great, Goldie. So funny. I love that. Yeah, Carson loved attacking uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Which... You, oh, I think I think a bird just flew into the I window. That. <laughs> Some kind of dumb bird. Uh, yeah, and then and the flight, the whole uh, stopover in Atlanta. That's just yeah. vintage, vintage Carson. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, now that we've had fun, let's <laughs> yeah. let's talk about why we're terrible. We're going to talk throw about the gear shift directly into reverse. <laughs> While we're going ninety this way, instant reverse gearbox on the highway. Uh, so our theme this week is failure. And as a writer, you're going to experience failure probably more often than you experience success. Not probably, definitely. So, uh, and Goldie and I have had uh, our fair share. We'll talk about, you know, once again, the Emmys nominations came out this week. We'll talk about that. Like, of course, we weren't nominated. Why would we be? Why, why would right. we ever be nominated? Uh, we'll talk 20 about 20 years, 20 years, not even sniffed an award of oh. any variety. Wow. <laughs> well, now, because you weren't on this, Family Guy was nominated. Uh, I believe. Oh, I wasn't there. Right. 
So we, yeah, you weren't there for that, but that was the one year where we were there. And of course we got, we didn't win. I don't think anyone thought we were going to, but we, at least we were nominated, which was exciting. Yeah, it's a big accomplishment. I've I've never been in an award ceremony where I wasn't working, as Trump would say, like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, but let's get back to the Emmy. Goldie, we just emotionally lost him. Oh God. We're going to talk about dads. We have to. Yeah. Have to talk about dads. I want to. Cannot talk about failure. You can't spell failure without dads. Fidelards. For dad, <laughs> that doesn't work at all. That was terrible. Let's save it for Johnny jokes. Um, and and we have so many other. Uh, we we don't, won't even have nearly enough time to get into our personal failures, no. which are many. And we should really have material witnesses, i.e., our wives here to discuss that. Sure. Um, but let's let's talk. Let's start with the Emmy nominations because the Emmy nominations came out again this year, and of course, we weren't on there. Why would we be? We only add three jokes per page, every page of every episode. We're not writing comedy. And at least, one a, of, at least one of them is good. It's just a yearly dick punch. Honestly, yes. it's like you forget that they happen. And, and I, I, like, I, I feel like I'm so far removed from things that two years ago, I was driving back from the beach and got caught up in all this traffic in Hollywood. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Oh, and right. then... I saw it was the Emmys, and it's like I don't I don't even know they're happening. All right, like that's, that's how, how far of... removed from it I am that yeah. I'm at the beach and dumbly driving past the theater <laughs> where they're taking place. Uh, I know it's, and it's so ridiculous. It, it just I know that we're supposed to exist in this headspace of like rising tide lifts all boats, and I'm just happy when creative people get recognized, but I'm not. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm angry, even when it's people I know. And I think I'm angrier when it's people I know. I know. Well, that (laughs) speaks to what's inside all of us. And certainly as writers, I think we feel that way where you see him and you're like, hey, buddy, congrats. And then you're you're on your way home. You're like, that guy sucks. Yeah, but like, (laughs) we can't, we can never admit that anymore. Like now it's it's so unacceptable to just. (laughs) Here's the thing. You and I both have connecting it to failure and the Emmys. Yes. We both have an, uh, an SNL connection. The connection, by the way, for anyone listening, is we've both been rejected for jobs yes. there. Oh. They passed yes. on us. Yeah. And, so now and, how am I supposed to root for anyone or anything associated with that show? Like, oh. I'm supposed to just overlook <laughs> that and go, yeah, they're all good people over there, though. <laughs> oh, but like, it's so personal. And so uh, uh, the prism of all of this, and this is going to failure, which I think... Rejection is when the thing happens and right. maybe you react and maybe you don't. Failure is when you've internalized it and you say, this really threw me back. Right. Right. And like, like yeah, my re- that's interesting. My yeah. failure at SNL has, call- it, 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 it ties into so many things of like my friends in elementary school dumping me en masse at once. Oh. Uh, oh. It, it, oh, it ties no. into like this stuff of stand-up, like always being outside the cool kids and not quite getting booked on these shows like Luna Lounge and I know and, you were like, forced to hang out with me. It was like we were we were in the freak <laughs> yeah. show, Gladys's, and, and then sort of like the way when we were on Kilborn, you know that that got just sort of gratuitously shit on in publications. By Lorne, remember yes. that? Oh, yeah. So well, Lorne, Mi- Lorne Michaels famously. Uh, I guess somebody was a, applying for a writer job there Ted or something. Jessup, I think. 
Ted Jessup, our friend, very funny guy. And he, and, and on his resume, it was like, oh, he's, he's been working on the Craig, the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. And Lauren said, yeah, that's a dead credit. Like he called it a oh, dead really? credit. Wow. And so that, of course, made its way through right, our course. world. And it's just like, oh, my God, fuck you. But it's like when you have to hear about, like, Rude. Tina and Amy, and then it's like they get on stage and they're, like, praising Lorne. And first of all, like, referring to Lorne Michaels by his first name as some sort of shorthand for how much acceptance you have. To, to someone else in comedy, like to me, I, I hate that. Yeah. To me, yeah. that you're just trying to... That's like when people say they show the okay white supremacist symbol to subtly indicate to the crowd that like this is right, what i'm into like right. saying casually referring to lorne to me is going like i'm in a phi beta kappa guys and you're not yeah right and by right. the way has lorne make michaels ever made a single human being laugh <laughs> that's a question oh we'll never know the answer <laughs> you're in the restaurant has lorne michaels said one thing one thing but this 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 feeds into another thing that that I that has always pissed me off, which is the the media darling side of comedy that we clearly yes. are not a part of. And will of. never be. Will never be. So we're on like the fucking Animal House frat side of. By of the way, entertainment. No frat would have me. Like, like that's yeah. such a misnomer to say it's a frat boy. It's frat house. It's frat like. What no, but that's the perception. fraternity would have let me in. No one. You're but that's in the one, perception. Though. You know, maybe maybe a better analogy is the Revenge of the Nerds frat from Revenge of the Nerds. Like that's okay. where we are. Sure. We're sort of off to the side of comedy while okay. the other side of comedy, SNL, uh, The Daily Show, things like that, just being hoisted around on people's shoulders in the New York Times, in Entertainment Weekly's Bullseye. Again, they nailed right. it. And it's like, God forbid, Family Guy or or Ted or I mean, of course, people liked Ted, but then they, they kind of dismissed it as an outlier. It's like, OK, that one snuck past us, but fuck Family Guy. And it, there's just this perception that in the in the comedy world that Family Guy now we've been around forever. So it's like that line from Chinatown where it's like old buildings and whores all get respectable with time. <laughs> and so like we're here for 20 years. So people kind of have to bend the knee a little and be like, oh, that's great. You've been on for so long. But there's still this perception that like if you work in the, you know, Parks and Rec was the place to be and you missed it or The Daily Show and they just throw Emmys at these people. Emmy, like, Emmy, Emmy. And I yeah. feel like Family Guy tries to be hard funny and I think it gets there a lot. But that's not being rewarded. But or again, even it's like these people have done <laughs> nothing wrong by doing right. good work and being recognized. <laughs> and it is not personal, but it's as though when these names come out, it's to my private inbox and it's an attack just to show me <laughs> right. that not only am I not in it, I'm so far from it. And by the way, we'll be doing this again without you this year, as always. Right. Yes. Just so you know. And my, my private revenge is, by the way, I'm not even in the Academy of uh, whatever it's called. Arts and Picture Sciences yeah. or whatever, TV, Arts yes. and Picture Science. Yeah. So you save, the si you save the 60 bucks a year. <laughs> well, I just won't join. <laughs> Because my, yeah, my dream would be to win one and then just go, just so you know, <laughs> I don't even belong to this thing. <laughs> I don't belong here. No, but I mean, don't, it's things like, you know what it is? It's like things that exist in that weird world where, where suddenly everybody will be talking to you about like, oh my God, don't you love Kimmy Schmidt? And it's like, no. Right. And you can feel it as like an offshoot of the Tina Fey, you know, SNL 
media darling. And, and by the way, I, I love her. I think spin-off. she's extremely talented. It's not yeah. like a like she's someone who I have a lot of respect. Yeah, well, yeah. she's uh, she's a boss. Like she's right. getting it done. But like, when clearly, you know, she but things that goes into it's like, her biography and stuff and says, well, like, how did I be successful? How was I successful? I said yes to a series of opportunities. It's like, I was scared when Lauren asked me to head write SNL. It's like, well, no one's coming and asking me to head write SNL. Yeah, yeah. That isn't the opportunity that I get to say yes to. I get to, like, when Spike TV wondered if I would write for the Video Game Awards, I said yes. (laughs) And that has made all the difference. And I was there till 4 a.m. every morning for no reason. And they had no food, so I ate six bags of Lay's potato chips a day. (laughs) As you're dying. What a wonderful life this has been. But But again, this is all coming from feelings of inferiority and and like my own shortcomings. And I I know this, but it's that you hear about these things. And like, I'm just trying to provide an honest glimpse because maybe other people feel this way and they... You know, you hate feeling this way. You don't want other right. people to feel that there's a sense of shame in feeling this way. But I want to tell you, like, yeah, it's normal to feel just petty and overlooked yes. and wanting vengeance. <laughs> vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> um, I, uh, I be, for years, I did, I could not stand uh, John Stewart and The Daily Show, and it took me a, a long time to realize that I did not like him because he is better than I am at everything I wanted to do. Like I finally figured I had a moment of clarity of like, Oh, okay. So check, check, check all the things that I would ever dream of myself doing. He's done them incredibly well. And so it pisses me off. I'm like, why, (laughs) why couldn't I have worked really hard and done that? Why could, you know? And then of course I heard, I heard him, as maybe many of you have, when he gave that speech to uh, Congress about the 9-11 firefighters, yeah. I was in, absolutely bawling. Like, the yeah. guy is a great guy. And I spent <laughs> years of my life just being like, that fucking asshole. And, and then I realized it's just total jealousy across the board in every, you know, in every place. And I, it, it prevented me from enjoying something that I probably could have enjoyed for years. Well, let's, let's that's a good entree into dads, I feel like. Because yes. oh, when, when we talk we about dads... Hit me when I'm down. Is there a feeling on your part that it was justified or is any part of you like they just didn't want to give it to me, even though I was kind of hitting the numbers I was supposed to hit? Can we um, review just for listeners yeah. what, what dads is for me? Oh, yeah. That's wow. wow. What, a, what a subtle slam. JC. Just, I'm just God, saying. Killer. Just... Yeah. So dads. For those Lurking of you who... with a shiv. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. What was that? Oh, just, just, taking... just, just to clarify, <laughs> what it, what was your life's work? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I really misworded that. I meant, like, oh, that's like, great. <laughs> it was so funny. It was a, perfectly executed it in was, all respects. Both, both Goldie and I were both instantly like, wow. She just, I just got, I, I was, I was on my daily 45 minute exercise walk in the prison yard when suddenly, <laughs> um, yes. So, so JC, to answer your question, which is probably the one that everyone is asking, what is dads? So dads was, uh, the failed, famously failed, uh, sitcom that, I created with my then partner Wellesley Wild uh, for Fox. It was on Fox for for one season, for half a season. I don't, I don't even remember at this 18 point. Eighteen episodes, I think, heavily promoted. Uh, heavily promoted, 
And um, so you were finishing the question, do, is there any part of me that feels what? Is that, there like... Okay, what, what fraction of you feels, hey, I got what I deserved, and what fraction of you feels like, I got kind of like railroaded and they were never going to give it to me no matter what the show did because of some like Brentwood taste issue. Oh, so when you say give it to me, you mean like adulation, praise or yeah, let or you ratings, have a show success. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, there's, there's so many factors here and, and yes, we can, we can do a deep dive into dad's failure here. So <laughs> just as a little backstory, Seth, obviously, for years, had been working with Fox exclusively uh, on everything he did, Family Guy, American Dad. And then he came up with the idea for the movie Ted, and Wellesley and I helped him write it. And uh, Fox passed on Ted. So the Fox film side passed. They said, no, thank you. And then, of course, Ted went to Universal and became a huge success. And I believe somebody at Fox was fired yeah. for okay. for passing on it. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then the very, so the very next thing after Ted that Seth had anything to do with was Dad's. And Seth had nothing to do with it. He just put his name on it to be nice to, to me and Wellesley. Like, he was trying to help us. Yeah. So nice. it was like we came in with Seth and pitched it to the brass at Fox and it was all the top people because Seth was there. And before we even sat down, they were like, yes, you know, whatever <laughs> he was going to pitch that day, it was going to be a yes in the room, which absolutely it was. And looking back on it, Wellesley and I were woefully underprepared for the pitch and Seth turned it over to us and we're just like, yeah, we got dads and they're kind of jerks and it'd be funny. And the son's there. Like we had nothing like, whereas today you have to pitch like an entire season one arc for all your characters. We just went in and we're like, our dads are so good. One of them wears a sloppy shirt. You know, it's like we have nothing. So, but they were just like, yes. So we're set off, you know, doing dads and we had a lot of casting. We got, you know, so gr- our good pick of, of cast members, you know, across the board, all these people that you kind of heard of or knew or, or yeah. definitely knew. Yeah. And uh, we had a great writer's room, of, you know, Goldie was first among them. I mean, he he was killing it. It's so funny. That's such a great analogy for your career because you were just absolutely cracking home runs in an empty stadium, basically. <laughs> so just like every day was like Goldie's home run derby in that room. We had so but many it great felt records. promising it, totally. before it aired because before the biggest show aired. at the time was Two and a Half Men, and right. this tone was acceptable and exactly. successful. Yes. So we were, you know, we had a crass, uh, a a family guy style sensibility, as they put it. You know, it was on Fox. So we were told to be edgy and that was not a problem for us. We were happy to push the envelope and to to the extent that you can push an envelope on a multicam sitcom. And so then instantly the problem started as soon as the, the pilot trickled out to whatever press gets to see that kind of stuff ahead of time, there was Everybody locked in on uh, Brenda Song, who's a beautiful actress who was in the show. Yeah. Uh, great actress. She in the pilot episode, we had her dress up in like like an Asian schoolgirl outfit oh, to no. try to 
uh, curry favor with, I believe, like a, some Chinese investors that were, oh. there was some plot line that involved some business meeting that wow. Brenda was trying to help out with. Instantly, everybody was all over that. Like even <laughs> way before Me Too, way before like everybody became totally woke, they already could see this is not cool. And like, I have to take full ownership of that. And I will right here. Like I wrote that exact moment. I thought it was great. Like right. I'm like, I thought it was funny. Like, and I thought, you know, yes, maybe a part of me at that time thought that she also looked awesome. And I kind of thought <laughs> it was like, here's some, <laughs> here's some eye candy for the fellas. Here's what we're fighting for boys. And, uh, so that, that already, like before anything came out, there was like already a little poison in the, in the underground there right. of, oh, there's like a, a kind of a racist, sexist component right. to this show. And we don't know if that's cool, even though if we had done something like that on Family Guy, nobody would have given exactly. a shit. So we're still trying to go full steam ahead. And the show premieres and it does, like the numbers were fine. It was like not anything like explosive because they had been promoting the shit out of it. And they promoted it, Goldie, as you remember, like they promoted the movie Ted. They used the, the same font. font. The, same, right? the font wow. and the color of the words. So, you know, Ted was in green there. and it had that font and they put dads in green. It had that font. Oh, yeah. They were definitely, and it was like from the creators of Ted and the writers of Ted or whatever. And it just didn't, you know, right away, critics hated it. I mean, they all hated the thing I just talked about and they hated the anything. Like they, there was nothing about it that any critic or magazine that I can remember liked in any zero percent on Rotten but Tomatoes. But did you feel proud zero. of that script? Were you like, how can this no, be No, you know, it's funny when with, with the pilot, I can't say that I'm like, oh, I'm proud of that dad's pilot. I thought it was fine at the time. I thought it was funny. I thought it had some good jo jokes and laughs. It's not like something that I look back on like, oh, it's the beginning of something amazing with this incredible pilot. I thought we'd write a funny pilot and then when we had this great staff of writers, Goldie, you know, Mike Scully, Gamon Pross, Viner, you know, all these people in there who make us laugh all the time, we'll write some really funny scripts. And I think we did. I think right. that's the irony of it. I think that the press and the story about dads being like, well, too far, racist, crass, we don't, it's garbage. Like that story took over and right. nobody, I think, as the episodes went on and on, had any ability to watch it with uh, with any kind of objectivity other than knowing that, oh, this is what's being said about the show. Because I told you, Goldie, I watched a show, and again, we could never do it today because right. of the PC culture, but that show where where uh, the the maid and and one of the dads end up getting married yes. that you wrote, it was, and I watched it, it was, again, and I describe your stuff this way a lot. It was relentlessly funny. Like it was just joke after joke after hard joke, funny, hard joke, another. I was laughing my ass off. And then, and then by the end of watching my, my own failed show, like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like kind of annoyed with myself. I feel like I just masturbated in front of a room of people or something. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> kind of ran away. Well, I don't watch. Did you ever give any thought to cutting that scene? Because I feel like you did know ahead of time people didn't like the schoolgirl thing. I, you know, and, and I, I cannot remember specifically uh, if we ever discussed cutting it. Um, I don't know. My instinct tells me 
that I was probably lazy and didn't want to do any reshoots or rewriting. <laughs> and so I was just like, fuck it. I don't think it's offensive or as offensive as any. I think people will think it's funny. And, and they didn't. But they so also, it really was like the, the Spike script in episode one. Right. Where right. the car kind of kept going, but sparks coming off the back and then exploded in a ball right. of flame. Did you know then that it was over though or do you do you feel I, it was a different point where you came to the conclusion that that this was unsalvageable i didn't know it was i knew it was going to be different than what i thought it was going to be uh you know i i thought going into it that it had a chance of being a successful sitcom that ran for five years you know right, something yeah. like that but i didn't realize right after the pilot that oh this is never going to work it was more like when we were in the room with all these other funny guys and week after week, the numbers would be kind of decreasing and there's no positive press about it. And then hearing some of the jokes that you guys were starting to tell about like the trajectory of the show. And that became as funny as anything that we were, you know, like we were putting funny stuff into the script for our characters, but we were also making fun of ourselves and them, the actors, because that's what writers do right. a lot. We, it, it also became this weird thing where we were all the piranhas eating every part of each other. And it was, but it was hilarious. And I had a great time in that room. Like it was so fun and I laughed so much, but sometimes when you're, when you're in these kind of positions, like, when you know you're failing, that's also can be that's also funny. Do you it's like remember funny. we were in the room and some maintenance guy came in to put up a dad's poster in the room, you know, and he was he was putting in the four screws in the poster, and I was like, maybe only put two screws. <laughs> yeah, it'll be easier in for the you. poster because I'm not sure that's gonna stay up. <laughs> for a long time in this room. Oh God! And and it was so funny walking into the our sound stage every day. I can't remember what stage number it was, but I remember the plaque on the door on the way in. Do you remember that? It was the same sound stage where they shot Reba. Yes. And and like we used to we used to laugh on the way in, being like Reba, this piece of garbage we oh, shot no. here. Meanwhile, yeah. that show was on for nine years. Oh, probably yes. made everybody like filthy rich. Like we couldn't last half the season. Well, so, we did last good half for the Reba. season. You're, you're you're exaggerating because we got a back nine that was then cut to a back six or seven. You're right. Or something. Yes. Everybody because remembers like, one more thing about that my I life think than I in in failure that uh, maybe you don't realize from the outside is that it was still going well for a lot of it. Like the table reads, I, I've been on shows where the table reads were dead and you knew, yes. okay, you know, network and studio people stopped showing up. They stopped right. noting it. Right. So that's a, that's a sign that, you know, you've been abandoned and, right. and it doesn't matter. But that, that wasn't really happening. At no. least as far as I could tell. Maybe. You're right. And it's funny because you remember Susanna Makos, of course, she's yeah. great, a great executive. We love her. She's at HBO Max now, but she was like covering the show or something and she would come to all the reads and all the execs we, we got to, to know fairly well. And they were all very supportive, laughing, yes. you know, they were, they were wow. all great. And, and I think they had the idea as maybe we did like that, if we can somehow like 
Millennium Falcon. Oh, sorry, that's a Star Wars thing. If we could like somehow, <laughs> you know, junk our way through this first season, taking arrows and 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 fire from all sides. But if we yeah. can make it through and get to another, then maybe this could be like a like two and a half men is people kind of think is garbagey, but it made it forever. Like it was right. sort of trash. Well, Big like Bang if, Theory when it started, people didn't like it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it got it got panned. And I think and that that's another show that was kind of like what we were talking about before. It's the opposite of of Media Darling until they got to like season seven. And everyone was like, oh, this Jim Parsons guy is amazing. Yeah, right. Like, why, yeah. are, why have we been rooting against this for so many years? Yeah, because I'll say I'll say like one of the things that, you know, I I experienced on on my failed shows. I wonder if you experienced was so you you in general get this opportunity because you're a writer on a different show. And you're right. excelling at that show. Right, right. And they and, like that show. Yes. The, the, the network. A show that's yeah. doing well. Yes. And other people view you as someone with promise. And 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 I, I always refer to the writer's table as like a lazy Susan in that like it's this person's turn right now at the head of it, but the whole table's gonna rotate yes. every year or two. And then the person next to you is gonna be in charge. And then the person next to them is gonna be charged until one of these things hits. Yep. It's all revolving. Yes, yeah. but I, I, I found that when I first got this thing, you know, so you come to it, you're a writer, and then you write a pilot, and you essentially win a writing contest, right? Yes. They have 30, 50 <laughs> pilots. Yeah. I don't even know how many they have, but yours is chosen. So you've, you've won the contest to then get it made, and then you win a second contest, which is the making contest. And yes. So when you go from that stage, which you didn't go on Dad's because they ordered six episodes immediately. Right. In the room. In the room. Yeah. Okay. So that hasn't happened to me. Wow. So you write this pilot and already you're doing more than you've ever done because you were a writer in a room, remember. And now you're interviewing people. You're hiring producers. On the set, it's your final say. You're sitting next to the director. I don't know much about directing. I did not go to film school. My previous shows, no one asked me to edit ever. So the first time I edited a pilot was the first time I edited anything. anything. But everyone assumes, well, he it's it's their show. They must know how to edit. Right. And then you're doing things like color correction, which it's like, you know, you're watching these things and people are like, does, does that look a little green to you and it's like i don't fucking know like i didn't even know they did this i thought you just shot it and it came out of the camera from a little card and then you throw it on the air what do i know about this so you're sitting in color correct you're sitting in a sound mix and they're you know you want to add music here maybe what kind of music i i don't know right like do you want do you want to add do you want to add birds chirping i yeah I, I guess. I, can can I, we add do, something from Led Zeppelin too? Right. Yeah. Like, and so you're doing 30 jobs that you didn't even realize you had to do. And so yes. I, I think as I was failing, maybe in a good way, the stress of that insulated me. Yes. From fully absorbing how much you're 100 percent right. In. You're you're totally right. And I didn't. I never thought of that until you articulated it. That like. I should have been sitting there all day like, oh, my God, this shit is sinking. Yeah, right, of course. <laughs> and you were very vocally hilarious about it. And that, that's, what, that's what honestly made it so fun was that 
<clears throat> we had a room full of hilarious people. And so when when I was confronted with the notion that this thing was failing, it was usually in a hilarious way. Um, but <laughs> well, you're right. When I, when I make a big, important decision, I generally do little, uh, little preparation, little thinking ahead, and then I dive in wholeheartedly, instantly regret it, and then get angry. As what happened with that, <laughs> I left Family Guy where it's like, oh, I could have stayed. Now it turns out for 15 years, just <laughs> accumulating residuals and checks, and I was like, let's do this bad thing. And then within like five episodes, knowing it had gone, <laughs> it had gone sideways, I was, of course... Angry and frustrated and scared. Oh and, my god! Uh, you know, along for this ride on this on this boat that I knew was taking on water, right? And, and far from shore. See, you didn't see me quietly in the back constructing a one man kayak to go back to family <laughs> yeah. guy, just waving over my shoulder. I will say, I'll so, see you so, there. So part of what makes rejection different from failure is that also I, th- I feel like rejection is personal, and failure takes everyone else down with it. 80 oh, wow. people lose their jobs when you, right. when you lose your show. And like the, I mean, I, I'm going to fucking cry again. Because oh, uh, w- when I had to get up at Making History and tell everyone on the set that they had lost their fucking job. Yeah. Because of me. Like, right? Because whatever I was doing was, you know, in, and I was working my, I mean, I was almost insane. I was working so hard. I, right. I was yeah. like sleeping three hours a night i was like totally fucked up you know everyone was relying on me for everything i had so much hope and and you gave i thought the funniest were canceled speech of all time do you remember what you said not one word it was i don't tell me what was it so you got up in front of the cast and crew and, and you said uh guys i'm i'm very sorry to have to tell you that um the network has pulled a plug. We're not going to be doing any more of these. Don't worry, Wellesley and I will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I was right. God bless but, me. I mean, that was the all-time walk-off. I'm so glad people remember things about my life. It's you but, know. but like my last show, it, it all just happened after it aired, and I didn't. I you know I had to make calls to the actors that were devastating to make, and for a, most of them you know, they, they're accustomed to rejection and they don't absorb it as failure, right? Because they've been on a lot of canceled mm-hmm. things. And, and yeah. it's like it's like breaking up with someone who knows the relationship isn't going well anyway and they're right. not right. going to fight you on it and they're adults and they, so, yeah. you know, but one or two of them really didn't see it coming and they were, you know, understandably devastated and they're the face of this. And it, it yeah. I... I it's like telling someone they have stage four cancer in a way. Like you just yeah. go, this thing that you've placed your hopes and dreams in is over. And I know in a sense, it's at least 60% because of me. And I'll, I'll say that like that, you know, if I'm analyzing the root true. of my anger yeah. and the lashing out at everyone, it's because I, I think in a way that particularly on my, on my last show, I hit the ratings marks I was supposed to. Hit. Yes. And then I just realized I'm not in this cool people fraternity and if on a borderline case as this was that for anyone else, you know, who's a little has a little more rep than I am or a little cool than I'm, 
they would have given it to him. I, I right. know this for a fact. I, I, there's no way to prove this, but I know because I've, I, but the fact that it was borderline and the fact that it was me, it was like, fuck you, you bald Jew, get the fuck out. <laughs> that was, was to me how I absorbed that's, it. That's a direct quote, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it felt was like, that's we a, know he's not powerful enough to fight it. Yeah. Like no one, we're, there's yeah, like he's not no that, he's not that close back. with Seth, right? He well, um, I mean, by then I was at Sony, so I was off on. Well, that own. by the way, that's another factor. That's a weird thing that probably a lot of people out there don't know about. But like, so Sony uh, was the uh, studio for your show, so they basically right. come in come in with a level of ownership on your show with you, and they try to help you sell your show to a network, and they helped you sell it to ABC, I believe. Right. So, 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 Sony, for ABC, if there's going to be a close call, they're not going to keep things that they don't own. That's just just the way it goes. To zoom out a little bit for, because that was a little bit inside baseball. Yes. Basically, there are two things that go in every show the studio and the network. The studio is who makes the show, and the network is who airs the show. In some cases, increasingly. That took me a decade to learn. Yes. (laughs) And I just figured this out. In the middle of the, in the middle of like signing a deal with a studio was the first time I understood this. Right. So the studio is the uh, manufacturers, the manufacturing plant, and the the network is the customer facing side of it. Yeah. So most studios now also have their own network. NBC has Peacock, and NBC Universal has Peacock and NBC the network. Disney the studio has ABC and they have Disney Plus. Sony yep. doesn't have a distribution system. So no. when you do something with Sony, you have to sell it to someone else. And immediately, the first thing that studio does is they say, give us an ownership stake in it. Right. Because right. or else we could just air stuff we own 100% of. Right. So why are we going to own 50% of something in a, in a landscape on network TV, say, where everything gets a point four? Right. Why would you not want to own 100% of that 0.4 as opposed to own 50%? Totally. So, uh, sure, was that a factor? I, I, but I that's because you, so. you, you run yourself down a lot. And, and, and I know when we, we've talked about this, you, you put a lot of blame on yourself. And I'm saying though, that is a huge factor in those decisions. I guess, if you're but saying, it's, it's of little you, comfort as you, as you, no. you know, stare down 50, yeah. knowing that. You know, I had won again a writing contest or production contest. I I had shot two one in a hundred chances. Yes, yeah. gotten the thing made miraculously. Didn't get panned. You know, didn't get raves, but like pretty solid. Yeah. And then yeah. to know that like there's no way everything lines up that way again. It's 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 almost impossible. It's winning I, two lotteries again. And ca- so I think I I take it very hard, and I'm very angry. And then when the Emmys come out. I'm fucking livid. <laughs> yes. But here's a counterpoint to that where you say yes. it'll never happen again. I feel like with all of the new avenues for entertainment that are continuously opening up, like everybody has a streaming service and the, the indications are there are only going to be five times as many in five years. There are going to be so many different kinds right. of, there are going to be so many places for you to make a show that you love if you want to. I no, guarantee they, you they, that. they want other younger, more exciting no. people. I get that. Not, a, not, not everybody. Look, like, I don't want to turn this into like a pity party. And <laughs> no, it's not. You guys say nice it's things not. to me. No, again, I, I'm, I'm just ho- saying like I don't believe again, this I'm, to be true. I, 
Again, I'm hoping you fail, but I'm saying you will have more opportunities to fail in the future. And I'll be right there with the front row seat saying, hey, buddy, you failed. But I, you know, I I do think the whole point of talking about this isn't, I I don't know that in any way I have any advice on how to, how to deal with failure in a constructive way. Because look, I, I mean, I've, I've slid off the deep end with alcohol. Yeah. You slid. I, I. well, not off the deep end. Come on, not off the deep end as badly as some people. But I mean, no. I the 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 one or two social drinks a day turned into five or six, and you yeah. know now I've extricated myself from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for months and months. But you know, I I don't have any constructive advice on how to deal with it. Except I will say that like venting my anger in a way that destroys my future prospects makes me feel really good <laughs> at that moment. Right. By the way, you say you don't have any advice for people on how to deal with failure, but I think it's just, for, at least for me, I think it's nice to know that it doesn't matter if you're struggling at this level or at this level or in the middle level, everybody goes through all these different forms of failures. And, you know, sometimes if you're just starting out and you didn't get the, you know, you submitted for a job, you didn't get it. Okay. Yeah. That's a failure, but keep going because listen, we, we failed on a grand scale. Still failing. Yeah. Still failing. I mean, dad's was, if you look at Google, any list of the worst television shows ever, it's usually (laughs) in the top two. It's, 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 sometimes it's one and it could be two. Listen, did I think it was that bad? No, but it was, a spectacular failure at the time, well, and it was kind of hilarious to go through. Let me ask you this, because we've we've focused a lot on yeah. the negative. In all of show business, your entire career, right? What was the best day of doing this for you? Oh, wow! Awesome. That is such a good question, and it's. I have a very sad answer. I think. I think. I think it was the first day at Kilbourne. <laughs> like wow. I literally, I mean, listen, there were moments as a, as a nobody, as a, as a, a PA, I mean, I'm, as a writer. Let me assistant, point out also you wrote the Star Wars episode of Family Guy, which people yes. may not know that. That was like one of the biggest comedy pieces of the 2000s. And you reminded me the day, go, the day going up to meet George Lucas was a great day, but I still <laughs> say the best day was the first day. I'll never, fr- I can feel the heat from the lot at Television City as I as I walked in for the first time like holy shit I this is the building I recognize the price is fucking right as filmed here and like I'm coming here to work and yeah. get paid I was so happy that that first like maybe week to month of of being out here so incredibly happy um and you don't you don't really I, I don't know I, I don't know that I've ever reached that point again but yeah for me what about for you well, it's funny because thinking about it, like what I thought would be the best days were almost not even good days. Like when I went into the, read the making history, I, I thought that was going to be a great day. I had a yeah. terrible time. Yeah. When I went in to read the making history pilot, I thought that was just going to be the launching point of my career. And it was going to be such a home run. Like I had so much confidence in that script. I yeah. felt like I had done it. I had like articulated what I wanted to do. And the table read just went okay. And like I remember the actors that started riffing. It just wasn't... That I remember too. It just wasn't that good. Like it wasn't right. bad. It just wasn't that good, you yeah. know? And then I thought when it aired, I was really proud of it and waiting to hear like, what's people's reaction? And then it's like, no reaction is, is the reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that. And that, that was underwhelming. And then, you know, people think 
when you get your show picked up, that's going to be the best day. But I'll, I'll tell you, when my second show, uh, United We Fall, got picked up on ABC, I by the time they picked it up, I was so angry <laughs> at so many things that had happened with the pilot. I was like, I remember hung that. up and just said like, well, I turned to my wife and said, well, I got to do it. I know. <laughs> like, and, and I should have been like, it, you know, it's this big opportunity, but I think I just felt the weight of, you the know, having, to, having to now sextuple down on this yeah. process that for me had been largely unpleasant. So mm. the best day of it, I like, I, or the Ted 2 premiere. Oh. <laughs> where God. I thought. Uh, you know, here I am in this movie, I'm going to have scenes in it. And I got sat way up in the loge and like just (laughs) forgotten about. So I don't mean to be negative, but I I just wanted to show people that like, don't always look for this big moment because you also may not get it. And, and, and I I agree with you. It's, it's these smaller moments. Yeah. If I have to pick one day, I, I, I mean, I think it was when I, sold making history to fox right that day that's great when i made i made that leap from you know late night writer and staff writer and it was understood you're going to get to do your own thing that's amazing yeah that's that felt really good because i i loved that idea i was so proud of it and it it was so personal because it all took place where i grew up walking across the lot from that sale and then hearing you know like that they were throwing in extra money because they didn't want it to go anywhere else they loved oh, it so much wow, that's, that's awesome that's um, great and also as you say it you that was on the fox lot yeah the fox lot is so great i love being on the fox lot like when <laughs> yeah. i walk around the fox lot i'm just like this is the my dream of hollywood um yeah all right so we got to get into our top fives here yeah, let's um do it. but that was boy from yeah. failure, you know what we came. We ended with a nice moment, so I like that. Yeah. And with with our apologies to Lauren Michaels, yeah, and good oh, luck no. at the Emmys. Yeah, <laughs> thank you all. Look at that classy oh, guy. That's sweet. So now we're going to move into our top five, which appropriately uh, this week <laughs> is top five SNL cast members of all time. I, I really um, struggled with this. Yeah, I know. By the way, this for me, it Can't was come like up with my five n- good ones. No, stop it. <laughs> my my number one my number one was set in stone all week, and and two through five was just a blood and guts battle. Same. Like I have, it was very like, tough. Right now, I have six, and I'm just gonna at the last minute cut one. Yep, you have. I to. I, I feel like I should go first because I go. have not watched SNL in ten years. Because again, the anger over being rejected there. Totally. And so go. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Sorry. Number five, I'm going with Jane Curtin because. Ooh. Oh, she, she was, was on, on my show, show you know, awesome. we call. I love her. I think she's Great. awesome. That's and very classy. Uh, number four, Will Ferrell. Awesome. Yes. I don't Amazing. think I have to explain why he's right. funny. You, you don't. Number three, Kristen Wiig. Yes. Ugh. Maybe God. didn't have her four because I didn't want to put my two women on the list as four and five because I didn't want you the blowback. You and I are in lockstep right so, there. So, but I think, you know, instantly identifiable. Number two, this might be the controversial one, but it's a personal thing. Norm MacDonald. Nice. Oh, I love, okay. I mean, best update guy sense. for sure. By but far. even in the sketches, every time they put him in a sketch where he played himself. Right. Yeah. Or, or, Instant laughs. And number battle. one, and I'm just saying for the versatility and for the cultural impact this person had at the time, which was unbelievably immense unprecedented and 
on that show, not outside that show, Dana Carvey. Nice. By the way, I'm I'm upset now that you went first because we had so much agreement and overlap. I I find that hard to believe because you thought about this and I just really didn't. Yeah, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, do you want to go now, JC? Why don't you? Why don't you do? Um, uh, All right. So number two. Um, (laughs) My number five is Tracy Morgan. Oh, so funny. Anything out of his mouth, even if it's Nothing is funny to me. So funny. Nice guy, too. And yeah. we're glad he's okay. He, yes, was, he was awesome. Oh, that's, that's great That's nice to hear. To hear. Um, my number four is Will Ferrell. Great. Um, Needs no explanation. Right. And here's where I'm going to cut and paste and figure this out. I am going to say number three is Bill Hader. Huge mistake. No, I'm kidding. That's great. He's so funny. I just watched him on a like a on YouTube on Conan doing a oh series of old old timey impressions, and yes. I was just dying laughing. I, I, and and he, he's in my like six or seven area. Yeah, for, for it, sure. It, it was um just his in sketches on the show. Everything he did, I laughed. I agree. Um, number two is Kristen Wiig. Great Obviously, choice. No She's so, isn't she just awesome? Yes. She just so is like a. Just a great, she's like a human giggle. Yes, just brilliant, really brilliant. So great. Um, and number one is Phil Hartman. Oh, he was my number solid one like, choice. Easy. God, that's a good choice. And yeah. yeah, he's like, he, he's a guy, Goldie, we know you famously cry all the time. If I think too much about Phil Hartman, I will start to cry because, like, I, I love that guy. It is I, one of those things where if he were still around, you'd go, he, he would have some revival on a sitcom or in a yes. series, and people would be going, like, can you believe how friggin' talented this guy is? Absolutely. Like, so would... many roles. And he could be in, like, serious movies like Syriana or yes. something. Oh, totally. He could be a U.S. senator in yes. any movie. Yeah. And he, he would have never stopped working. We would yeah. always have been watching yeah. Phil Hartman. Yeah. Um, it's like John Candy. I get a little emotional. But he died for whatever. Right. Um, okay. Here's my list. And we have a lot of overlap with both of you because you both have good taste. Number five, Will Ferrell. Yes, and let yes. me just explain that. No, but I, <laughs> I have a quick thing about Will Ferrell. When I was at SNL as an intern, uh, and then, yes, as an intern, I believe. No, I'm sorry. My first year as a writer's assistant, that's when the new cast came in with Will Ferrell wow. and Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon. And they had a big turnover from the year before. And so we got to see their their audition tapes, which I believe you can probably watch on YouTube now. Will. But Will Ferrell in his audition, did some of the funniest shit. And like now it's like you watch it and you're like, oh yeah, that's Will Ferrell. But like at that time, I had never seen anything like it. Like there was a whole part of his audition where he pretended to be a cat on the floor, like playing with a ball of yarn. He like never spoke. It was so funny. And then he did that great thing that he does where he's the the angry white dad yelling at his kid to get off the shed, which made me laugh for weeks where he's, you know, having a pleasant conversation at the grill with his friend. He said, hey, Danny, let's get off the shed, buddy. (laughs) And then it would just progress into like him screaming bloody murder at his kid. Wait, so funny. Hey, hey. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When I was at SNL, he hosted and I used to have an inside joke with one of the crew members where we would talk to each other. You know, the character where he can't hear you so he talks really loudly and he talks oh, yeah. like this i couldn't remember his name so this guy Vinny, told will he's like hey this this girl and i would do this impression and will walked up to me and he's like 
you, you, you like Jacob, I didn't know his name and I, I was taken aback and I said, is this a bit? I didn't know. And he walked away. And then for weekend update, he brought that character back. Oh, for, I know, that's I was like, awesome. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's so that great. Cool. See, you have an effect on people, JC. Oh you know, it was much in the same way where you came to us and said, Hey, would you guys like to maybe do a podcast? We're <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> we'll do it with you. Have, have you heard the story about the briefcase he's told? No. Oh, so Will Ferrell, when it, it, you know, he was a candidate for SNL and then he had to go interview with Lauren and he decided like he was going to bring a briefcase full of fake money. <laughs> and at the end of the meeting, say to Lauren, you know, I'm prepared to give you a million dollars to be in this show. <laughs> and so he brought the briefcase to the meeting and then like chickened out just for whatever reason. Couldn't. <laughs> and then, so I guess he then left with his briefcase and I guess the next time he met Lauren he felt compelled to bring a briefcase because he had brought it hilarious and by the way he was you know a, a, any ill will that I have to SNL he has zero to do with he was right. the nicest guy yeah. always so nice um, okay number three Kristen Wiig <laughs> I gotta bring up Don't Make Me Sing That was one of my favorites When she'd be like Oh don't make me sing That character um, Number two Here's my controversy at two But this person I think Has made me laugh More than anyone In my life And they were only On SNL for one year But I'm giving them So much just for their career Which was Martin hey, hang Short Hang on let me guess oh, oh shit Anthony Michael Hall <laughs> Get out of town I thought you were gonna say Chevy you ruined no 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 sorry Chevy you're not on this list Martin Short <laughs> yes Martin oh, Short I one. find to be just he can do anything and make me laugh hysterically so I have to give him his due and number one like you said Goldie Dana Carvey and it yeah. wasn't even close he was in the number one spot all week was you know like the Lance Armstrong ahead of the field yeah. of the Tour de France <laughs> he he was like a nuclear reactor on 110 percent in every sketch and it was always. Awesome. Does anyone our age not remember going to school and going, I'm the church lady. Yeah. This is church <laughs> chatter. <laughs> nah, gah, gah, yeah. nah, gah, gah. Yeah, Let like, me finish. <laughs> like, I mean, these are things that are... It's true. It's Isn't the, that but I mean, special? I, I'd like to just point out, no no Mike Myers, no Eddie Murphy, no Chris Farley. Yeah. Right? I know. I know. I and that, that's it. why it's so tough, because they were all circling. As as are, for me, Bill Hader. Forte. Uh, listen, I, I, Forte. I had, I had him on him my too. list and took him off. Forte is so funny. By the way... Like I couldn't put him on because I'm just I'm not quite hip enough. But Kyle Mooney makes oh me hysterical. Yes. Like I everything that guy does I think is perfect. Yeah. Um I love Armisen, you know. Yes. I, whatever. Um this was really tough. Yeah, it was Stu really was tough. telling me you should put somebody on there that you worked with, and I said, But that doesn't that's not that's, what the game is. Yeah. That's not what defeats, the topic is. Defeats its own yeah, purpose. Because then yeah. they're gonna hear this and then <laughs> <laughs> defeats it, they might like you more. Defeats its own purpose. All right. Well, you know what? Some of us have lives to I do, uh, jobs to go to. So this oh, has yeah. been fun this week. Uh, thank you all for listening and thank you too for being awesome. And thank you. Uh, we will see you back here next week. Right now. God damn them. Oh.